Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. They always look good and sound good. Got some of the greatest people at GVC. And just before I get started, as they're leaving the stage, you know, you just, you don't realize the commitment that people put into serving you and just making our church services so awesome. Again, our worship team is incredible. Those that are, that are serving in the hospitality, whether they're ushers or greeters or sound people or kids ministers. I mean, we've just got such a great group of people that just so sacrificially give of their time uh, just because they love God and love people and love you. And so uh, if you happen to connect with one of those people, just tell them, say thanks. Thanks for doing what you do. And so many people uh, worked so so tirelessly to make today special. And so, uh, again, just tell them thanks when you see them. Amen? Amen. Well, hey, listen, we are uh, starting a new series next week. And so I just wanted to give you a heads up as to what's coming. Uh, the, the title of our series is called Taking It Back. And so I don't know if you've ever felt like you just lost control of life, but next week we're taking it back. Amen. I don't know if you've ever felt like you've, you've lost your joy, lost your smile, lost your excitement to live. But next week, we're going to start taking it back, right? Come on. So you don't want to miss next week. It's not about looking to somebody to give it to you or waiting for it to come. We're taking it back. Come on. Say, I'm taking it back. Amen. So next week, you don't want to miss. We're going to start that. Praise the Lord. And it's going to be a great, great series that we start in fact I might just have my wife come up and minister at some point in time and uh yeah she just she's always taking it back come on come on she's buying and I'm saying take it back baby take it back she goes like I got it on sale I said take it back take it back (laughs) (laughs) awesome oh praise God well you know today is Easter and, you know, there's those times of years that, that, that seem to be real significant and real special to us. One, obviously, is Christmas time, and it represents the birth of Jesus. We celebrate when Jesus came into this world and, and became who he was in our lives. And so we celebrate that time. But obviously, Easter today is really the, the greatest expression of the love of God. And so today, I so desire and so hope that as you're here in this place, as we've lifted up Jesus, as as we share the word of God, that you begin to understand how much God loves you, that you would leave this place not feeling as though you're you're the, the ugly stepchild or that you're the black sheep of the family. No, God loves you, and he sent Jesus to be your sacrifice. And so uh, we're going to just jump right in and find out what God's desire and heart is for us because you realize that Easter is all about a family reunion, right? It's about God coming into relationship and having the opportunity to be reconnected with his family. Come on, have you ever watched those programs where uh, they, they get reconnected with long-lost loved ones? You know, they do that ancestry thing or they just, you know, find out, you know, they've been adopted or something and then they get reunited with a parent. I mean, I try to be strong in those programs. 
You know what I mean? Before you know it, the lips quivering and the tears bubbling up in your eye, you know? It's just so heart-wrenching uh, and so heartwarming when you see families reunited. And that's what Easter is about. And so as I began to get ready for this message, I kept having my heart drawn to a particular passage in Scripture, one that you may be familiar with, but it's the story of the prodigal son. And in Luke chapter 15, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there, but I'm just going to really kind of touch on some points and some highlights in regards to this story of the prodigal son. And as we look at that story concerning this son, it really is an example of the Easter story and how much God truly loves us. And it starts out by saying that there was a a man that had two sons and one of his sons became of age and he says, Dad, he says, listen, you know what? He says, I don't want to wait until you get old before I get my inheritance. He says, Dad, he says, I would much rather have my inheritance now. So if you can see fit to give me what would belong to me, I would greatly appreciate that. And the Bible says that the father put all the things together that was necessary and he gave him his inheritance. Isn't it interesting how we as people oftentimes want what we want rather than waiting for things we just we want things when we want it right and then the bible says that once he received his inheritance just a few days after that he left his father's house and then it says that he went a long ways away i find that interesting because it seems like for we as individuals oftentimes we're always wanting what we're wanting when we want it and, and it oftentimes we, we know something on the inside just isn't right. And, and we find that we don't want to necessarily be accountable to the decisions that we're making. And so once we get what we want, we decide to run, to get as far away as we can, right? Because if I get far away, if I run, I don't have to be accountable. And maybe, just maybe, this son didn't want his father to know what he was doing. Or maybe he was really embarrassed for his dad to truly find out and be disappointed with the things that he was taking part of. Right? Isn't it interesting, too, just we as individuals, we so ignorantly and so irresponsibly and blindly recognize how oftentimes how good we have it (laughs) where we were. I mean, can you think back to your younger days when you just couldn't wait to get away from mom and dad? You couldn't wait to have your own independence. You couldn't wait to get out from underneath their house where I don't have to live by your rules anymore. I don't have to listen to you. I'm going to live by my own rules and do my own thing, right? And then when you get a little a little bit down the road and live a life a little bit you find out it wasn't that bad after all you find out how good you had it you found out that that food I was eating I didn't have to pay for it mom and dad did the heat that was heating up the house I didn't have to pay for it but all of a sudden we begin to experience life and the reality of it and having to be accountable to it and oftentimes we as individuals as we're wanting to do our own thing or maybe we're struggling with some things in life we often try to distance ourselves from God God I know where I'm at and God I I don't want to be accountable and and God I know that you're disappointed or you wouldn't necessarily like what I'm doing right now so I'm just going to distance myself 
Isn't that why oftentimes we don't go to church? Because God, I know what I'm doing. And you certainly don't want that person that just loves on you every time when you come to church to know what you're doing. You just kind of want to hide, right? So you get away. And then the Bible goes on to say that this young man, as he began to live his own life, the Bible says he actually just wasted all of his inheritance, really just partying, just having a good old time. But the Bible says he partied his entire inheritance away. All the friends that he once had, no more. Once he was footing the bill, man, he had all kinds of friends. But now that there was nothing left to do, didn't have anybody but himself. And then the Bible says that he began to go hungry. And then as he began to grow hungry, the Bible says that there was a famine that began to hit the land. And he began to starve. There wasn't a whole lot of work to, 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 to get involved with, but he found this farmer and he says, can I do some work for you? And the farmer says, well, here's the conditions. If you want to come work for me, here's what you got to do. And he says, okay. And so here he's working for this farmer. And as he's working for this farmer, he's feeding the pigs and he's feeding the pigs and he's thinking, I am starving. And that pig slop looks pretty good right now. He got so desperate that he started eating the feed that the pigs were eating. Isn't it interesting how low we can find ourselves at time when we run? That we can get to a place where this feels like I can't get any low, lower in my life. I have hit rock bottom. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? This feels like, God, I can't get any lower than what I am right now. And that's where he was. Isn't it interesting that when you get hungry, you'll do desperate things. And he was so hungry that he began to eat pig food. But in the midst of that, God began to do something in his heart. It's interesting to the degree of things that you do when you find yourself spiritually hungry. God, I've done everything that I know to do. I've done everything in my own strength and my own power. I've lived my life. I've never wanted to be accountable to you. But God, something is going on in my heart right now. And I'm hungry for a change in my life. Can you remember that day when God was just knocking on your heart? And you're like, God, I surrender. I can't take it no more. Or maybe you're still saying, God, not yet, not yet, not yet. But in the midst of eating that pig food, the Bible says that the prodigal son came to his senses. Isn't it interesting how the challenges of life cause us to see clearer than ever before? Right? You know what I'm talking about. I mean, I've been doing my own thing, and it takes a couple things to slap me upside the head to get me to see clearly. And I don't know if you're like I am, but my head is pretty hard. It takes a lot to get my attention. Right? My wife makes fun of me from time to time because I had to do first grade over again. I'm telling you, I had a hard head. In fact, we were just talking the other day, and we were talking about a, a girl that I went to school with. And uh, I said, well, yeah, she, she was actually a year ahead of me. I said, we're the same age, but, you know, we're, uh, we're a year apart. And when we graduated, she goes, oh, yeah, you had to do first grade over again, didn't you? I'm like, yes, I did. <laughs> Thanks, baby. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> but it takes those hard 
moments to sometimes get us to come to our senses. And the Bible says that when he hit rock bottom, couldn't do it anymore, he says, I'm done running. I'm coming to my senses. And he says, I said to myself, I'm not worthy to go back and be my father's son anymore. He says, but the servants that he has, he says, they have more than enough to eat. In fact, they have more enough and left over. He says, maybe my dad will just allow me to come back and be a servant. I've sinned against God and I've sinned against my father, but maybe he'll just let me be a servant in his household. And so he picks himself up and he begins to walk back to the dad's house. And if you can think about it, as he's walking back, he's rehearsing it in his mind. Dad, I've messed up. Dad, I'm not worthy. Dad, I'm sorry. Can you see you? in that place at different times when you're going to God you're trying to rehearse it with God to try to say it just right try to excuse it to try to make justification for it or just simply say God I'm sorry but I don't know how else to say it but I just messed up how we sometimes come to God trying to bring excuses but as the Bible says he's coming to be back into his father's house and the Bible says that from afar off his father saw him Think about that. The son that once was pig slop, pig stuff on him, stinking, ragtag, hair messed up, unkept, unshaved, looking rough like a beggar in town. Not the same man that he was when he left. Not even resembling the same man that he was. But the Bible says that his father recognized him afar off. Listen, it's not by chance that you're here this morning. I don't know where you're at in your relationship with God. I don't know if you're running from God. I don't know if you're making excuses with God. I don't know if you're saying, God, I'm not ready to do all that I need to do. And you're making all these reasons as to why you're not ready yet. But God saw you afar off. Two months ago, six months ago, an eternity ago, God saw you afar off sitting where you're at right now, knowing that you would be hearing about his love and his care and his concern for you. He knew that you would be here right now. And you can be as attractive on the outside, but God's not looking at the outside. He's looking at your heart. He says, I love you, and I want to restore you. And the Bible says that that father ran and grabbed him and embraced him and put his head to his chest, and he said, my son has come home. Family reunion. And he says... Go get the best robe and put it on him. Go get a ring and place it on his finger. He says, go get the fatted calf. He says, we are going to celebrate because my son has come home. Now, if I can, for just a moment, I want to take a sidestep. Because the Bible says that in that moment, the father did some significant things placed a robe on him, put a ring on his finger and killed the fatted calf. And they're symbolic of some things and I'll make mention of them in just a moment. But in order for there to be 
a calf to be given, it had to be sacrificed. I don't know if you've watched The Passion of the Christ. I watched it with my wife several years ago. And just recently, I was talking with a couple different gentlemen, and we were talking about that movie. Because you see, the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, in part, was that he was beat. He was mocked. He was spit upon. A crown of thorns was placed upon his head. And he did that for us. But in that movie of the Passion of the Christ, there's that one scene. And as I was talking to these two different individuals, both of them said the same thing that I have thought and did myself. And that is, as we bought the movie, but we've never yet watched it again since we purchased it. And there's a reason why I know for myself. Because when I was watching that movie with my wife, I obviously I've seen movies of Christ and what he did. But as I'm watching this particular movie, there came that point in time when he's sitting there tied to the beating post. And the soldiers stand in line getting ready to beat him. And the first soldier lays his lashes on his back. And nothing happened. Then the second one stepped up and whipped him. The third one, the fourth, and the fifth. And every time that they beat him, something is happening on the inside of me. And I find this extreme emotion welling up on the inside. And I'm trying everything within my power to keep my composure. And I'm feeling the emotions build up so much and I am fighting from crying in the midst of the the theater. And I am holding it back so much so in that moment of watching him beat that I can't contain it anymore. It just overcome me. And in the midst of the movie, I go, (gasps) and tears streaming down my face. Because as I'm watching that, I'm identifying that that is Jesus that took my stripes. He did that for me. That should have been me, but he did it for me. And the reason that it brought such emotion is it's because I know that Jesus. You may say, well, that's great. But I'm saying I know him. And I so appreciate and I'm overcome by what Jesus did for me. That he took my place and allowed himself to be beaten for me. And the Bible says that when he was beaten for me, that with every stripe, with every strike, with every uh, instrument that was laid upon his back, the Bible says that that was my pain, that was my grief. That was my sorrow. That was my sickness. Everything that this body has the opportunity to experience was laid upon him and he took the sacrifice for me. And I was overcome with emotion and so thankful for what Jesus did because by his stripes we are healed. And then the Bible says that he shed his blood. He shed his blood to cleanse us 
from our sins. So here's what happens. The Bible says that when Jesus made us clean from sin, he gave us a robe of righteousness. I put it on, but I don't feel worthy. He paid the price for me so I can put it on. Amen. The Bible says that the Father gave the Son a ring. It symbolizes how much affection He has for His Son and then restores Him back to a place of sonship and authority. So therefore, when Jesus did what He did, He not only made us clean from our sins, but put us in a position of sonship and authority once again with God. Jesus took our place. The story of the prodigal son, you see, is really a story of you and me. And that ring represents God's affection and His love and His desire for us. And listen to what I'm about to say. Jesus left eternity and came into this natural world so that we could have a changed eternity. And once he went to the cross, the Bible said that he stepped from this natural world, went back into eternity so that it would change our natural life. What does that mean? Jesus was in heaven, came down to this natural world, allowed his body to be broken, his blood to be spilled so that we could have eternal life. But he left this this natural life and went to hell for you and me, eternal hell, and paid the price for us. And in doing so, he conquered hell. He whooped the devil. He defeated death for you and me. Let me say that again. I said he whooped the devil. He defeated death. He conquered hell and took the keys from the enemy and placed them in your hand. So what he did is he went to eternity and brought back into your natural world and says, you're going to heaven, but in this natural world, you can still have victory. You don't have to be beat down. You don't have to be wallowing through the mud. You don't have to eat pig slop anymore because I not only washed you clean from your sins, I made this life accessible for you to have the kind of life that I came to give you. Amen? His desire is for us to experience the fullness of all that he came, that we might come become sons and daughters. See, Easter is all about a family reunion. Just a couple weeks ago, I was watching a program of just that very thing of a family, or, or actually two sisters being reunited. They were only 10 years old. They were from Korea. They were identical twins separated at birth and adopted out to families in America. And on this program, they had these two little girls that were going to be reunited for the first time. They had the curtain in between them. One girl on one side, one girl on the other side. The ironic thing, they had never met each other, but they had the same length of hair. They had the same kind of glasses. And they're standing on either side of the curtain and all of a sudden the big reveal and they pull back the curtain and there they stand face to face with a sister that they never knew and they just stayed there 
And they just wept as they saw the other sister. And finally, they embraced one another and wept some more. But here's the thing. They had never seen each other before. They were identical twins from birth. But the moment that they were reunited, the ironic and just wildest thing is that as they're standing face to face, they began to mirror one another. The way the one did this, the other one was doing the same thing. The one did this, the other. It was like they were twins for all their life and they'd known each other in the way that they uh, did their mannerisms. It was like a mere image, yet they had never seen each other, but yet they were reunited. You see, that's what Jesus did for you and me. Not only did he come to reunite us with the Father, the Bible says that we become the mere image of Christ. That when God sees you, he does not see you in your fault, in your shame, in your guilt, in your past. You might be saying, I'm just waiting to get things right before I come back to God. But if you'll receive Christ, God sees you not as you are, but as he is. He sees you as a mere image, almost as though you were a twin of who Jesus was. Therefore, Jesus, when Jesus went to the cross, the Bible says you went to the cross. When, you, when he was raised from the dead, you were raised from the dead. When he went to hell, you went to hell. When he conquered hell, you conquered hell. You're a mere image, and therefore his victory is your victory. Amen. Quit looking at yourself just in your own strength and your own ability because Christ came that you might experience life and life more abundantly. God sees Jesus in you. You might say, but I don't know that to be the case. It don't feel like that. I understand that. That's why we have to learn to take it back. I said, that's why we have to learn to take it back because even though Christ came to do it for us the old enemy sits on your shoulder and says well you know what you've done you know how you act you know how you are we've got to learn to take back what Christ came to do for us can you say amen Amen. so I'm going to ask you this morning where do you find yourself being where are you at in your relationship with God Because it's not by chance that you're here today. You might say, I'm here because it's Easter. I'm so glad that you are. And it's not by chance that you're here. And I want you to know that God loves you. And you don't have to wait any longer to get things right. Because if it was up to you, it would never happen. Because we can't do it by ourselves. It's only through Him. And it's upon saying, Jesus, come into my heart that Jesus says, now let me help you experience all that I came to give you. Amen. So can we stand? With every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to ask you this morning. Have you received this gift called salvation that Jesus came to purchase? 
The scripture tells us that your past, your present, went to the cross with Jesus. It's no longer an issue of sin. The issue is now, what do you do with this Jesus? It's not about your issues. It's not about how hard life has been. It's not about your past. It's not about the excuses. The question is, is will you allow Jesus to come into your life? He won't force himself. He's simply waiting for the invitation. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never received Christ into your life. I want to give you that opportunity. Because if you were to die today, do you know where you would spend eternity? And Jesus loves you enough that saw you from eternity past from a long ways off being here this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and you call this place home. And maybe you've been like the prodigal son where you've been at a distance simply because of guilt, shame, or whatever else it might be. I want you to know that Jesus wants to come and know you personally. Not just to be your Savior, but to be your friend. And so I want to give you the opportunity this morning. Jesus was so bold to stand before the multitudes and pay the price for us. And in the midst of the people, he said, it's finished. It's all over. It's done. The price has been paid. And so I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. But with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you're saying, I want to receive Christ. I've never done that before. I'm not sure if I have. Or if you're here and you say, I I I know that I've asked Jesus into my heart, but that relationship with Him is just so distant. I want to know Him personally. I want to give you the opportunity to be bold and say, pray for me, Pastor. Once again, I'm not going to call you out, embarrass you, or call you up front. But I want you to be bold enough to raise your hand. I'm going to count to three. This is the day that we celebrate what Christ has done. To produce a family reunion. When I count to three, if that's you, I want you to be so bold to raise your hand high. And say, I want Jesus. Are you ready? This is your day. This is your time. One, two, three. Lift that hand. Lift that hand. Hands up all over. Come on, keep them up. If that's you, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. Amen. You can put them down. Amen. Thank you for the courage to be bold. Thank you for saying, I want today to mark a difference in my life. 
And I guarantee you, life is going to be hard. I'm going to guarantee you challenges are going to come. I'm going to guarantee you struggles will still be there. But I also want to guarantee you that Jesus says, your victory is already in my victory. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being so bold to say, I want to receive Christ and invite him into my life. Or recommit my life to him. Will you pray this prayer with me? If you wanted to raise your hand, but you were a little intimidated, that's okay. You pray this prayer. Make today special. Make it count. Put it on the calendar. Are you ready? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. All right, wait a minute, wait a minute. Come on, Jesus was bold enough to stand naked in front of the world and be crucified for you. Don't be timid. Don't be bashful. Come on, let's lift our voice. Let's make a declaration that today Jesus is Lord. Amen. Amen. Don't be afraid. People are praying next to you. Amen. Are you ready? Come on, let's mean it. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus that you sent him for me. He was my substitute. He paid the price for my sin, my sickness, my grief, my pain. I ask you now. To forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. And today, Easter, April 1st, 2018, I commit my life to you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites which can be found at our website gvchurch.tv we know that today's message has been a blessing to you thanks for listening we are genesee valley church loving god loving people and loving life